We're going over the Sydney Harbor Bridge. What were you saying, sir? Not a single weld, bolt, or screw in the bridge. Six and a half million rivets hold it together, and it will last another 300 years. Nice. Brand new podcast, everybody. We are the Chrysler's, and we are going over the Sydney Harbor Bridge out to the Blue Mountains, correct? Yes. And uh, George and Isla are in the car. Isla's so excited. She woke up this morning. She was the first one up, and she was like, everybody get up. Come on. She, she was like, Dad, I turned on the sauna in the in the fitness center. I went and worked out already. Seriously, Dad, I'm already packed. I'm so excited. Stop. Stop. She brushed her hair. And her teeth. Did brush my teeth. Yeah, because someone threw up for the first time yesterday. <laughs> Ever. Mm. What did you think, Isla? She said it better than throwing up with the flu. Yeah, it's I'll tell you what, Isla must have eaten something funky, then put me into a tailspin. I started having anxiety attacks, so I was like, oh now I got it. Now we all got it. After Isla threw up, you came to me and you were like, I ate her crust last night, I'm gonna throw up. And then you started gagging yourself. You're no. like, <laughs> <laughs> I I looked at Georgia like like the movie uh like the movie uh, Outbreak. Isla threw up and I looked Leanne I slow motion looked at her and I go I ate her crust. Oh my god. And Georgia looked her eyes opened and then I realized I didn't just eat her crust. I ate everything that she left on her plate. Oh, that's gross anyway. Yeah. So Leanne's here with us. Leanne tell everyone where we're going today. We're going a lot of places, but we're going to the Blue Mountains to see the three sisters. And we're going to a farm to see koalas. And uh, I don't know what else we're doing. We got a big day. Our driver is taking us out. Uh, he was the one explaining all of our... What was your name again, sir? Was it Steve? Steve. I know it was Steve. I didn't want to say it. Yeah. Uh, he's taking us out. Traffic's not bad leaving Sydney, huh, sir? Not at all. Coming back, I have been out. Yeah. <laughs> so we have... Uh, Two shows tomorrow night. I have two shows tomorrow night at the, I don't know where I'm playing, the Enmore, I think. Uh, tickets still available for the second show. Uh, tickets also available in Perth, the second show in Perth. Brisbane, we have three shows. They are sold out. And Melbourne at the Hammer, Hammer, Hammer is sold out as well. I'm super excited. We were in Bali. Uh, this isn't going to be a long intro, but it'll be a little, uh, yeah, just a little catch you up. We went to Bali. What did everyone think of Bali? It was fun for me because I wasn't on my period. <laughs> Speaking of periods, someone got in trouble on Australian television talking about period parties. Anyway, uh, did you like Bali, Leanne? I loved it. It was beautiful. Sum it up for anyone interested in going to Bali. Tell them about our adventure, where we stayed, and what you loved. We stayed in three places. Uh, we stayed in Uluwatu and Abud and Nusa Dua, and it was beautiful. Um, it, I've never seen anything like uh, Abud before because it was very jungle. Give them a teaser for what I'm sure you will reveal on your podcast was the trek, um, the, the, the death march, the trail of tears you and Georgia and Isla took in the middle of the night. It was pretty intense hike. We'll talk about it on Wife of the Party. Don't worry. Oh, are you really holding content for your own? Yeah. I'm not stupid. Yeah. Ooh. Whoa, okay. Uh, girl power. Speaking of which, today's episode is with uh, my buddy Greg Fitzsimmons. I love Greg. He is one of the easiest guys in the world to podcast with, probably because he comes from a long line of broadcasters. His dad was a huge broadcaster back in the day, and Greg has been on SiriusXM. I think his contract just ended like a couple months ago um, uh, with Fitzdog Radio, and his podcast has always been one of the top podcasts 
um, for as long as we've been podcasting. Greg was one of the the invent, uh, front runners of this. We have a great conversation. We talk about everything. We also, and this is where I'd like to put a little footnote in this episode, so that just to make myself clear, when you do a podcast, you don't think about maybe things you say. And I definitely talk about <clears throat> women in comedy, and I I definitely I don't say anything bad, but I talk about how. Sometimes women get put on a fast track. I don't think I use those exact words. I wish I had. Um, but I talked about, I, I, I re-listened to it and it doesn't sound bad. I'm just reiterating that if I mention any woman's name who I believe uh, got leapfrogged, I know who exactly, it's best selling and Amy Schumer are the two people, but they're friends of mine. And I and I feel like I can take liberties sometimes with friends, but I, I know, don't know if people think I'm talking shit and I'm not talking shit. Uh, and you'll hear that in the episode clear Beth and Greg are actually very close. And I don't think Greg would ever let me talk shit about Beth. Um, and so I'm not, but what I, and I will just reiterate what happens in this business is, uh, sometimes women get put into places, uh, very quickly because there is a, quite honestly, there's a lack of women in our industry. And so in comedy, so they get put quicker than sometimes like guys, like say Ari Shafir or myself or Joey Diaz or Tom Segura. Those are the examples I'm using because we've all been doing comedy 20 years and sometimes well, I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. It sounds like I'm making excuses for fucking white men in comedy. I'm not. I'm Or, or, or pissing and moaning. I'm not. I'm just trying to explain. Babbling. I'm babbling. Babbling. Just stop babbling. Yeah, but Amy Schumer killed your hamster. Um, it's a little another side story, but I, but nothing, but nothing but love to all the women I mentioned in this podcast. That's my point is if anyone takes it as anything other than that, please pace yourself, take a break and realize I have nothing but love for anyone that's, I don't spread hate. Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Apron. Fitting that we're going to the Blue Mountains and we're talking about Blue Apron, my favorite meal delivery service. Sir, do you guys have Blue Apron down here? No, we don't. Oh my God, you would love it. They deliver fresh meals to your door recipes created by uh, top-notch chefs and then you make the meal in your house inexpensive uh, every meal is under ten dollars per person and the meals you can make within 45 minutes pretty nice huh oh yeah um, but the best part about it for me is our family gets to sit and have dinner together <coughs> don't we love being together guys after this trip, it's going to be, Blue Apron's going to be the only thing that pulls us back together. And it's summer right now, and there's nothing better than a juicy burger or whipping up some fresh tomato salsa. The joy of cooking in the summer is something amazing. Try new techniques new to you. Make cooking fun again with Blue Apron. I've motivated my audience. I hope you know that with a hectic schedule like Leanne has, podcasting, running girls of softball, it's so nice to just go... What are we doing at the end of the day? We're having a Blue Apron. Right, girls? Yeah. Sure. Like I said, the menus are tested by their test kitchen chefs, and their test kitchen chefs use unique specialty ingredients to bring the recipes to your dinner table. Right now, you can make brag-worthy meals at your house without hassle. Try Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and get $60 off when you visit blueapron.com slash birdcast. That's blueapron.com slash birdcast. Blueapron.com, a better way to cook. 
This podcast is brought to you by OpenFit. OpenFit takes all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out in the comfort of your living room or hotel room if you are me on the road. It is absolutely fantastic. I just open up my phone. They have a 600-second workout. I don't know why 600 seconds seems digestible to me, but it does. And it is get you breaking a sweat. I swear to God, if you do that workout, break that sweat, get in the shower, get out of the shower, lay in the bed. It's almost like going to a sauna. You are pouring sweat and then get in one more time, rinse off, start your day. Amazing trainers, extend bar, uh, Hunter McIntyre is the, one of the top fittest athletes. These are the trainers. They know how to get quick results. Super simple. Like I said, it's your schedule anywhere your computer, web-enabled TV, smartphone, Roku, and you can lose up to 15 pounds in just 30 days. Flatten your abs, shape your body, look good, feel great. I'm telling you, I am on a fitness journey. I will not roll into sober October one fat piece of crap. God dang it. Leanne's phone rang in the middle, and I just hit it, sent it to voicemail. I'm sorry. Was it? I don't know who it was. I'm in the middle of a read. Right now, during the Open Fit 30-Day Challenge, my listeners can get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit, where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days when you text BERT to 303030 right now text BERT to 303030 you get full access to OpenFit all the workouts nutritional information totally for free again text BERT to 303030 I'd like to thank all my sponsors for sponsoring this episode of the BERTcast like I said it's with Greg Fitzsimmons it should be a good one and I hope I don't I overthink things so if I just overthink things so and I never want to hurt anyone's feelings it's it's so funny even with bad press you things like with the thing that happened to get long story short I said I told period party on uh, a very popular show here and four people were outraged and a news organization picked it up and tried to clickbait it and I got upset because I was like well I don't want anyone to be upset I want everyone to like me and so that's my problem that's probably me look at that car guys my other problem is I have no focus. God damn, that's a cool car. That's a car I think I'd buy Georgia right there. It's called a Ute. It's called a Ute? Ute. A Ute. Ute. The two Utes. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yep. Um, so we are off to the Blue Mountains uh, to see the three sisters, something I saw in a helicopter, but I guess I'll do it with my family on foot. <laughs> trip's really fun when you did it with Travel Channel for $100,000 and then you do it with your family on a budget. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm so excited to be with you guys. I had a beautiful trip in Bali. If you go to Bali, uh, I'm telling you, I'm sure Leanne will talk about on her podcast, Wife of the Party. By the way, huge episode with Christina P. Uh, that's up right now and it's a great one. I started listening to it uh, on the plane and then passed out. But, uh, uh, and it's also up on YouTube, over 100,000 views. Congrats, baby doll. And uh, and it should be a good day today. Right, girls? It's going to be great. Tell me, we're going to pass the phone around and tell us what you're excited about today. Okay? I know what I'm All right, here we go. We'll start with mom. I'm excited about spending the day with my family in Australia. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Here, Georgia. Um, I'm excited about meeting a koala. Oh, you're Um... I like koalas. Oh, I love them. And I'm excited about sleeping. I'm excited about spending time with my family and getting my girls to witness things that they never thought they'd ever see in their entire life. Right, Georgia May? Yeah. Uh, I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. If you're in Australia, come see me in either Sydney or Perth, or I'll see you guys at the shows. 
Body Shots World Tour, June, July 27th in Philly at the Met. There are still a few tickets available. Snatch them up. I love you guys. Have a great day. Mom's yawning. This episode, Greg Fitzsimmons. roast jokes I ever heard was Greg uh, Geraldo saying um, Flavor Flav looked like a skeleton wrapped in duct tape. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you start a podcast. Who who were the best roasters of all? I would put Geraldo up there with DiPaolo. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the, here's the thing though is that like there were people that got got credit for being great roasters that I didn't think they did well like not to not to slander and this is gonna everyone's gonna hate this I did not think Patrice did a good job on that Charlie Sheen roast when he went last yeah I mean it was like it, it was, was well he broke the mold he decided not to go with the joke 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 and he just basically deconstructed what deconstructed what everyone did. did yeah but in and in, in, I when I watched it, it it just wasn't like it wasn't what I it wasn't a roast it was him going like I'm uncomfortable with white people talking to you like this right. Mike which is a brilliant premise yeah but it just, it just wasn't as great as uh as I remember it being Amy Schumer like I did not think like she was the prototype for like you do the roast and then you blow up like Amy Schumer. Yeah, and I mean everyone, fucking every woman in comedy fought to be on those roasts so they could blow up like Amy. Amy had one joke that wasn't that great. It was uh, Stevo, your friend Ryan Dunn died. We wished it had been you, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't that great, but yeah, and she got so much shit for it. Yeah, women on roast especially blow up. Lampanelli, Whitney Cummings got Lampanelli quit comedy. Who? Chris uh, Lisa Lampanelli quit comedy. Yeah, she's a motivational speaker now. (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) You spend your whole life building up a giant fucking audience to then, like, I'm fucking at a loss of words. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Well, I mean, I don't. Do you know Lisa Lampanelli? Yeah, I, I. I knew her when she worked at the Boston Comedy Club when she was wearing the big gold chains and the gold rings. Do you remember that version of her? Yeah. Um, and she was nice back then. Right. And then I did Cowhead one time and she was a cunt. Really? A cunt. You were in studio with her? I was in studio and she was outside. And I, this, me, and, me and Cowhead have been friends for like, for like 15 years. Yeah. And so I was in studio. I was just doing third mic. It was back when he didn't have a third mic. Galvin wasn't on the show. And I would come in and I'd just do the whole week of radio with him. I was at the improv. She was doing a theater, Tampa theater, one show. Not impressive now that I know careers. I'm like, "Uh, okay, we get it. I did three. Anyway, she, um, she's in the waiting room and she goes, and they go bring her in. And they said, she won't go in while, um, this guy is on, on air. Oh, no shit. And I told him, I said, oh, tell her I know her. I I worked the door at the Boston comedy club and they came in. They're like, she doesn't give a shit. She wow. said to leave. She had not do video with other comics. Here's the kicker, Greg. I had the greatest compliment to pay her. I had the greatest thing to say to her when she got on. I had for my show, Hurt Burt, I had been a male stripper for a night. I'd done like a, been a male stripper at a 
a straight club and then at a gay club. At the gay club, it was a talent show. It wasn't like technically a strip tease, but I, for my talent, I was a stripper. And it went over well. I didn't win. The person who won dressed like Lisa Lampanelli, put their album on the fucking stereo and lip synced it. Lip synced her comedy routine? Her comedy routine and it murdered in the wow. room. It murdered. Yeah. And I was sitting there as a guy who knew Lisa and was like, oh my God, if I had her number, I would call her now and tell her, be like, this is, you are, an, this is a fucking cultural iconic moment that a, in a gay, all gay club in Vegas. Yeah. There's a man dressed like you. Right. Lip syncing your comedy album for 10 minutes and it's murdering. Yeah. I wanted to tell her that. And she fucking walked out and said, fuck that guy. He's a nobody. I'm out and walked out. You want to spend your time with a nobody on air? You spend your time with a nobody. I'm a somebody. And she went to fucking Bubba's show. She actually said all that? Yeah. And then left. Told wow. that to the assistant. And I, and, and I was like, I was like, what a fucking turn. That's weird because I've only found her to be incredibly respectful and nice, which is always like the queen of mean. It was like, you know, like Rickles, like the yeah. nicest guy off stage. And, and, but, uh, so that's I think, surprising I think she, to me. Whatever, how about this to, to, in, to, in defense of her, she may have, um, said whatever she said, and we just heard it in her character's voice. Yes. She may have been like, you know what? I don't, I don't like doing radio with other yeah. guys. And right. we heard, right. you know what? Right. I don't right. do radio right. with fucking zeros. Right. Right. Like, right. so that in her defense, I'm yeah. sure that's what happened. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, she's a motivation. That's always weird. Motiv Kyle, Sa Kyle Cease is a motivational speaker. Is he really? Do you remember Kyle Cease? Yeah, of course. Dude, that's a, if Comedy Central was super forward thinking, they would do documentaries on guys like Kyle Cease. That career is fucking fascinating. Yeah. Do you, are you how familiar are you with with the trajectory of his career? Not that much. Let me walk you through it. Kalsis uh was a by the way, I understand Kyle if you're listening to this, you may not take this in a positive light. Okay? <laughs> I don't mean it negative. I don't mean to shit on you, but you're not in comedy anymore, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You're a motivational speaker. I'm sure you'll see the bright side of this. Kalsis was a project prodigy. Much like many of the stories you've heard, he was such a wild child in class that the teacher, in order to calm him down, would give him six minutes at the end of every day. Yep. So everyone's heard that story. That's I come. had that happen to me. So he started very young, I, I want to say in Seattle, and was up on stage when he was 15, 13 years old. He was the same path as Chappelle. He gets put in 10 Things I Hate About You as the slow cat clapper. Or maybe it's like not a teen movie. Whatever. That's his... What? He was in both. Wow. You already know way too much about Kyle Cease. Oh, you for real? Yeah. Okay, nice. Uh, moves to LA, starts stand-up, and in the wacky, high-energy Dane vibe, gets, starts booking a lot of colleges, um, gets a half hour on Comedy Central, and leading up to it, as he's training for it, convinces himself, I wonder if I can make myself pass out and starts to create an anxiety around performing so that while he's performing, he, the whole time he's doing his act, his brain's going, we're going to pass out in three, two. And he has massive anxiety attacks about this. Wow. Then comes out of this, does his special, come, turns out good. They do the top 
10, uh, the number one comedian of the year on Comedy Central, Kyle just spams it, like spams it, votes for himself, tells people I'll send you whatever you want if you vote for me, and gets rated in like 2002, 2004 as the number one comic of the year. Beats Jeff Dunham, Dane Cook, Mitch, Mitch Hedberg, Dave Attell, Richard Lewis, beats everyone. No one's ever heard of the guy, but he's like spams the thing and then decides I can teach other people how to do this. I can teach them how to get out of their head, do great comedy, and win contests. Uh-huh. And he starts comedy boot camp. $10,000, you come out for the weekend, I'll teach you how to do comedy. And it takes off like fucking wildfire. No shit. <clears throat> yeah, because this is the very beginning of Dane Cook changing yeah, the industry. Yeah. And now you're looking at a guy going, I'll tell you how to get fans, how to blow up your MySpace account, how to write material, how to be high energy. You got to move your fingers a lot. Uh-huh. Stan Hope reads it and says, I would pay $10,000 if they bring out Kyle Cease and his entire family and assassinate them on stage. If you want to learn anything about comedy, find me at any bar and I'll tell you, Kyle Cease is a charlatan, a, a, a crook, a fucking horrible human being. Now, here's where it gets really fucking interesting. Kyle reads this in a hotel room in any city, Minnesota. He's on the road, reads this, lays down on his bed and has the most epiphanous moment of his life. He spends three days, doesn't move off this bed. These are Kyle's words. Doesn't move off this bed, lays in this bed for three fucking days, staring at the ceiling fan, realizing this is the best thing that ever happened to me. The, the internet is destroying Kyle Cease at the time. Three days he doesn't move out of this bed. Three days he doesn't move. Just, okay, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to pivot back. I'm going to turn back. Turns his life around, takes all the stuff he's learned, and now he's a motivational speaker. Successful? I think he's actually super successful. So he goes on tour and speaks. He goes on tour, he speaks, he holds big forums, but he's... Dude, that's the racket, because then you sell the books at the lectures... Wow, yeah. That's it's the not book you, that makes that's the money. not that's real. You can't buy that. That's real. Wow. And he hasn't done stand up since. Hasn't done stand up since. Wow. I mean, hardcore. Like he would do things. I mean, he's playing he's playing huge fucking venues. I mean, this is what is it? That's that's fucking five thousand seats. Yeah. Five thousand seats. And he's, I mean, wow. I And his names of his book, I hope I screw this up. He was someone that that watched The Secret and bought it hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Like, remember when The Secret was big? Well, well, and it's all those books start, going back to Eckhart Tolle and The Power of Now, they all start with that creation myth. There's a moment where they bottom out They're having anxiety. They have an epiphany. Eckhart Tolle talks about sitting on a park bench (laughs) for two days straight. Yep. Kyle Cease laid in a bed for three days. Yep. It always starts with that. And it's such crap. And it's a racket I may get into. (laughs) Dude, how great would it be to sell 5,000 seats and know I don't have to be funny? I don't have to get any laughs. I just got to tell you what you want to hear. It's going to work out. You have the power within yourself. Right. There's a woman who's got a special on Netflix, Barber, Bar, I forget her last, begins with a B, and it's huge. It's one of the biggest things on Netflix this, right now. And she and I watched it, and she is so engaging, 
She's like a, you know, kind of a slightly overweight Southern woman, middle-aged. And she comes out and she just talks about gra- having gratitudes. There's some basic platitudes about oh. self-help. And she lays it out in a really simple way. And, uh, and then she sells her fucking books and she's playing in this giant theater. And she does, a, it's comedy. Yeah. She tells funny stories oh, and anecdotes. Oh. She gets laughs, but there are no pressure laughs. No if pressure. they didn't get the laugh, she would just move on. Dude, I would That's what I want. As a motivation. Yeah. Speaker. Like murder. Right. What would your message be? A carpe diem. Yeah. Carpe diem. Guys, 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 this all can end tomorrow. It's not about the future. It's about the now. And if you live in the now, you'll get what you want out of life. Yeah. Don't, don't work to live, live to work. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. But like, dude, I get obsessed with these messages. Like Gary V. You ever listen to Gary V? Gary Valentine? No. <laughs> the worst motivational speaker you could ever get. <laughs> Gary Valentine, if he was a motivational speaker, here would be his thing. Guys, it's all switching from scotch to wine. That's all we do. Just go down to wine. And then you have a big weekend, go back to scotch, but on the weekdays, we're just doing wine. That's Gary Valentine. By the way, that's, that is legit a Gary Valentine message I got from him. Gary Valentine is someone that I used to get so drunk with. One time I took a shot out of a candle. I thought it was a shot, and I shot the candle and burned my face. <laughs> the uh um i i would love to be like like just do stuff like I, everything everything now on instagram is about you know wake up at 4 30 in the morning mm-hmm. um my, my my message would be the opposite sleep in don't work out you're saving yourself from a heart attack yeah slow roll it you know what today take a xanax in the morning yeah like it would it would all be about like i think about that sometimes because in a weird way in stand-up, the way it's turned, the way it's kind of pivoted is, and this is bullshit talk and you know that, but you become a brand ambassador almost. Mm-hmm. Like, like, who are who are your fans and what do they want, at, what do they want to do out of life and what do they want out of you, right? Like you think about Rogan's fans are like, get healthy, uh, explore your conscious, um, uh, challenge yourself challenge yourself uh and and love comedy like laugh and be a man be a fucking man right be a fucking man if you look at like but the difference is we're all coming from a place where and you're a perfect example of this you fucking live your life and then you put it out there and you attract people that are that brand yeah as opposed to uh, Kyle Cease who says What's out there? What do they want? I'm going to give it to them. Is that what he's and doing? And then you're a slave to them. Well, I don't know. I shouldn't say that about Kelsey's. I don't no, know. No, 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 no. But motivational but speakers. Motivational speakers and certain very branded comedians, guys that are super branded. You can just see that every joke they have has to, they've got an umbrella. And if that joke doesn't fall under that umbrella, they're not going to do it. It's no different than comics that do comedy to get pussy. Yeah. There are guys I know that have been in the business 25 years and their whole goal was at the end of the night to get pussy. And if if their comedy was outside that umbrella of like safe, fun, that would be fun to take on a date, go to a wedding with. This guy looks like he'd be a blast. Not too aggressive, not challenging me. If they didn't stay, they and they never grew as comics. So to grow as a comic, you've got to say the thing. You to alienate really, people. To alienate people to figure out how to take that joke and not alienate people. Yeah, yeah. 
Did you get pussy with stand up early Once. on? Once. Once in your once. career? Once in my career. Jesus. Yeah, once. Why? Because then, then you you met Leanne soon after no, that? No, no, no. I just, it. my comedy didn't translate to pussy. Uh, like it just was like. Your guy comic. Yeah, like still to this day, like you go to one of my shows and it's, it is a thousand dudes who kind of look like me. Yeah. Like a lot of beards, a lot of hats, a lot of fucking guys wearing XLs that should be wearing double XLs. Uh-huh. A lot of fucking, a lot of guys with like, chicks a little hotter than them going like all right i got this locked down right right and then and then obviously you get young kids who are like oh the machine you know it's like but yeah it's it's a lot of like i mean i, I said i went to like you look at any of the videos i did from europe i swear to god without an accent you'd be like oh you're are you in cleveland yeah it's the exact same looking person yeah but yeah there i did the one time i got pussy um i got two in one night and so one girl was a virgin nice yeah no i never fucked her um we went there were two girls i want to say the one girl's name was stephanie i don't remember their names i wish i did i gotta be honest with you i kind of still think about this one girl every now and then like spank bait no 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 and i'll tell you why so like i go home we all hang out everyone separates off and the virgin stays with me go we go back to my house we hook up fool around don't have sex fool around in my bed totally fun and then she goes back to Chicago. Like, she's like, I was just here for the weekend. She goes back to Chicago. The other one was fucking adorable. I mean, dark hair, Italian. I think her name was Stephanie or something. And she was, I mean, adorable. Like my wife, like that kind of look, like really cute face, like just great body, a little smaller, a little shorter. Here's what was great about her. She was fun as fuck. She always had a smile. Like that's my wife has that too. Like everything's always like, huh, huh, huh. And then one night that she, we hooked up a bunch. And then one night all her friends came in from Chicago and they were all getting ready at my house to go see the show that night at the Boston Comedy Club. Yeah. And we'd all party during the day. And I was like, I'm going to take a nap. And she, I heard her say to her friends in the living room of my place, they were getting ready. Guys, 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 we got to keep it down. He needs to really rest before his performance. So like, let's keep our voices down. They're like, oh, okay. And I went, she's taking care of me. Like I'd never had a girl take care of me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a a keeper. Yeah. And then I moved, I moved, I got a deal and I moved out to LA. She spent the rest of the summer in New York and we never kept in touch. I don't know her name. Wow. She's, I want to see her. I want to run into her at a show. I'm sure she's overweight now. I'm certain of it. But I guarantee you, her husband's like just the most taken care of motherfucker. Jesus. I used to hook up a lot, but I had, uh, I always had girlfriends that I cheated on. And I remember one time I was up and uh, I was living with a girl in New York. And uh, I went up to New Hampshire. I did this gig and these two, and it was like a roadhouse gig. It was like all locals came, the same people came every week. Yeah. And you know, those are always the best shows. They fucking laugh their asses off. Oh, they yeah. heckle, but in a nice way. And you all have a drink afterwards. And, and uh, it was back when I was still drinking. And so I meet these two girls and they are a fucking team. They present oh, together. Jesus Christ. And so I talk to them and I flirt with them and, you know, we're holding hands, the three of us. I just remember the three of us in a circle holding hands. And then they give me their address and they say, why don't you meet us 
back at our place. They fucking live together. Oh my God. And they're like, uh, they were Latino and I can't remember what kind of Latino they were, but they were like, you know, dark skinned and voluptuous and red lipstick. Ooh, make them Brazilian in my pumps, head. Pumps, Brazilian. And uh, so I get in my car and I was trying, at the time I was like, I can't fucking cheat. I can't cheat. I've been bad. God. So I sit in the parking lot for like 20 minutes debating. I'm looking at the fucking address. And by the way, I've only done that with a refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> and I finally just get in the car and I drive from New Hampshire back to New York that night. It took me like fucking six hours. And I, and I get back and my girlfriend says, yeah, you got a phone call about six hours ago. They looked up my number in New York when it was listed and left me a message saying, if you check your voicemail, we're still waiting. We don't know if you got lost. It's off route three, blah, blah, blah. So you got we're in trouble. Waiting. You got in trouble got for the threesome you never had. Didn't even get the three-way. Oh, shut the fuck the up. The fucking Latino three-way. We would have been dan salsa dancing, oh. eating burritos, the whole thing. <sighs> Two babies, one night. Yeah. Do, do, can, can, I, can I tell you here's the problem? This, I just, in the middle of that, I went, oh, here's the problem. If you had gotten in bed with them, right, and you're fooling around, and you guys have sex, and it's great, and you're laying in bed, and one of them says to you, you know what joke I love of yours? And they tell you the joke. You would tell that joke every fucking night, That's hoping right. that a threesome <laughs> would happen. Because yeah. David Tell told me one joke he liked. It wasn't even a great joke, and I told it every fucking night, because yeah. my goal was to get guys like David Tell yeah, to like me. Right. But but one time, if they had been like, oh, I love that, that you danced to that Aaliyah song, you would have been like, every night, baby girl, hey. the man from the big PA. One time I fucking got pussy. Oh, and I fucked a girl from the Boston Comedy Club one time. Okay. Um, a couple times I fucked her. No, I put up some numbers early on. I was still in college when I started. And back then it was like, everybody was like, don't sleep with waitresses. I was like, why wouldn't you? Are you kidding me? Who the fuck are you me? supposed to sleep with? They're there. They're watching you. You're making them laugh. You're drinking afterwards. Geraldo's like, don't sleep with them. I married them. Oh, <laughs> that's right. And then one of them said, uh, this was a Catch Rising Star in Princeton, New Jersey, where the club was in the hotel. It was at the Hyatt. And then you stayed upstairs. And this waitress fucking, I, I can just remember like, she went upstairs and I was like, oh, I'm in 342. I'm not sure which way. She's like, it's this way. <laughs> and we went back and she was super hot she was a personal trainer and she worked out a lot and she uh she gave me a blowjob and then like within 10 minutes wanted to have sex with me and here's the thing you got to know about greg fitzsimmons there's a 24-hour clock on the nut you got to reset it and so she is doing everything she can i'm doing everything i can and this girl is used to I find out later when I run into like three other comics that are like, oh, you did catch rises in prison? Did you hang out with Kristen? I was like, oh. yeah, she's she's not talking well of it. She, like I heard from other guys that she said I couldn't get it up. And it's like, of course I couldn't get it up. You blew me first. Dude, yeah. If you, uh, yeah. That's like, uh, what do you call it when you hit, eat two dinners in one night? Double banger? Or... <laughs> I don't know. I call it dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I do dinners all the time. That's so funny. That That is, I, I, if, in my head, I was like, if you're going to blow me, then that's what you're going to do. That's it. Yeah, it's that's a selfless then, act. That's what we signed it. up for. I'm not going to. Yeah. 
We can't double dip this. No. Like, Are you the same way? Oh, it, it, yeah. And if you blow me a little bit, just so you know, when we have sex, it's going to be over immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't. I'm not that like. That's why I want to try. I want to try Viagra. But I, I, I have high blood pressure, so I probably won't try it. No, don't. That's what happened to me. I took it and I got real dizzy. Are you serious? Yeah, I got dizzy. I almost passed out and it lasted forever. I mean, the the, the erection was good. We talked about this on my podcast yeah. a little bit. But I do an ad for uh, for an erection pill and uh, and it and uh, I like it. It did its job, but I got dizzy. Dude, I got a new sponsor. Like, I'm not going to do a mid-roll right now, but I will tell you the name of the sponsor. I just greenlit it, and I'm super fucking excited. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's not what it was. It's for something's burning. It's a sponsor. It's a wipe where you wipe your dick, oh. and it numbs it. No. Do you, have you ever had the numb dick? They used to make condoms like that where the inside was uh, with a lidocaine. So you were just fucking with like, a, a, like you couldn't feel anything, so you couldn't come. Yeah, but isn't that defeating the whole purpose of Not if you're single. Like if you're single and you meet a girl and you want to perform well because yeah. you want her to like you, yeah. bro, you numb it up, right? put a condom on, yeah. and you can fuck all night and not worry about not blowing a load. Yeah. No, that was the thing in college. I lived in a freshman dorm and I slept with almost every single girl on my floor. It became like a mission for me. And the key was you got to find the alpha female and have sex with her, but do a extraordinary job. You go down on that muffin and you stay down on it for 20 to 25 minutes. You massage every part of her while you make love. Eye contact, intertwine your fingers in a handhold uh, while she's coming, cuddle uh, afterwards. Oh. And then and then she talks she talks about you. Well, it's like you get like, a buzz. It's like getting the elderman in Chicago on your side before you go and open a restaurant. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. Yeah, dude. Yeah. My freshman year of college, my my first week, me and Jeff Hartley decided we were going to go from floor to floor to floor, meeting all the hottest women on each floor and trying to hook up. So the yeah. very first night, we went to floor one. We knocked on every door. And then when they'd open, we'd say, yeah. And by the way, I'm sure this is, I'm sure this is a microaggression, me too, something that you can't lie or whatever. I get it. It was a different time. We'd knock on the door. They'd answer the door and we'd go, yeah, we're from um, FSU's mattress police. We need to make sure the tags are still on your mattresses. I love it. And they'd be like, oh, okay. And they'd let us in. We'd check their mattresses. And if they were hot, we'd stick around and flirt. And if they weren't, we'd check the mattresses and just go to the next room. <laughs> First night, I hooked up with, one of the most beautiful to date, meaning like at, up to that time, one of the hottest chicks I've ever hooked up with. So fucking hot from Orlando. Perfect. Fucking perfect. I would have dated this girl, but there were fucking four more floors for us to hit. So we hook up that first night. I go to the next floor the next night. Me and Jeff find two other girls. We hook up with them. And during this week in the elevator, the reason it started all this, I had seen a girl um, in the elevator that was the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen. Just, I mean, fucking stunning. And our goal was technically to find out where she was. No joke. I'm not, I'm not punching this up for comedic effect yeah. or for story effect. I swear to you, we saw her in the closet with her uh, mom or dad, whoever took her to school. She was the most beautiful girl. And we said, what we'll do is we'll just keep scoping floor to floor to floor until we find this girl. 
There was a, and this is Florida State. There was a black floor, like they had a more no. the black chicks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They weren't they had, allowed to live anywhere else. Uh, they had a black floor. No, they weren't allowed on the white floors. There was a black floor of black chicks and a black floor of black dudes. I think it was floor two and four, right? In a freshman dorm. In a freshman dorm. So the, so in other words, the the black kids would come to school and say, "I want to live on the black floor." Nope. Black kids on this floor. Black kids on this floor. White kids on all the other floors. Segregation. A hundred fucking percent. And my buddy, Miles Mosley, they thought he was black because of his name and they put him on the black floor. They were just separating based on your fucking name. What? Dude. It was all, but, but just to be fair, uh, not to, I mean, not to make this story go too out of control. It was also the, those black guys on the black floor were all the um, football players. Okay. So it was all football players on that floor. Right. So then, by the way, the night we go to the black floor, black girls, we meet some of the football players. Me and a football player end up in these two, this one black girl, Vanilla was her name. We end up in her room. Jeff's, Jeff goes off to the white floors. I stay on the black floor floor with the black girl, girls floor with this football player. And they start checking. It's now curfew. They start checking the floors. And me and this guy end up in this girl, Vanilla's room. I'm under the bed. He's behind the door. The RA opens the room, shuts the door, doesn't see us, right? We come out of the room and we are caught on the elevator by the RA. And now, and the head person there, like the police are there or whatever, campus security is there. And the RA says, I saw him, and points to the black, I saw him in one of the rooms. I'd been in the room with him and I know he didn't see him. I saw him in one of the rooms. He's been on the girl's floor and I, and, and the black guy looks at me and goes, I've been with him all night. And I go, I have been with him all night. And then this fucking idiot goes, and you didn't see me because I saw you in the mirror. I was behind the door. And I went, oh, you fucking idiot. And he was like, we were both in that room. And I was like, fuck face. We were just out of this. Yeah. And we got we got in trouble. So we go all the floors. I hook up with a new girl every night, not on the black floor. I didn't hook up with a black chick. But like every floor, every floor. I swear to you, I will call my buddy Jeff Hartley right now. On the ninth floor, of of Smith Hall or whatever, Divinity Hall, we get to the very last door and I go, I literally say, I can't believe we didn't find this chick. Right by the stairwell, knock on the door and it's that fucking girl. Ended up dating her for five years. No shit. I ended up dating her for five years. Wow. And just to be fair, my buddy Jeff fucked her too. So. In between? No, towards the end. That's why we broke up. But. Whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. But. Uh, Do you stay friends with Jeff? Yeah, I'm still friends with Jeff. <laughs> it's, it's pussy. What are you going to do? And so, and so, uh, but she was the last fucking room. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had sex with, I swear to you, it became a fucking mission for me. And there was this one girl, I would just, I would do booty calls. I'd come home at two, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. I would knock on doors of girls I thought that there was a little connection with. And there was this one girl who I was friends with. We used to drink a lot together. And we, she was funny as hell. And she had a beard. And so I knock on her door, three in the morning, and she answers and like doesn't say a word. Just walk in, fucking strip down. And she had hair all over her back and on her breasts. And I made love to her like she was a fucking monkey. <laughs> and it was the best sex I'd had on that entire floor. I finished, I put my clothes on, I walked out. <coughs> And we never spoke of it again. Started oh just started God. drinking again together and hanging out. Oh, can I tell you that's what I miss in women? 
Like my wife misses a first kiss. It's the one thing she says, I'm bummed out. I'll never get another first kiss. Can I tell you what I miss is a summer fling with a girl that smokes pot and likes old comedies and you don't sound beautiful, but you guys start hooking up over yeah. summer school and then you and her just smoke bowls and Hey, you want to come overnight and get a pizza, watch Eddie Murphy raw. And you're like, yeah. fuck yeah. You go over to her house and get high. And like, she just like, her. Th- I, 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 I always talk about like, but her thumbs are just like raw from po- packing bowls are always like sooted. <laughs> She's got that brown on her front two teeth. Yeah, yeah. Taking and, bong hits. But she just has a great sense of humor. Yeah. And you guys do like function. You're not in love and you know it's going to end when summer ends. Yeah. But you're just like, like those summer flings were so much fucking fun. Yeah. In summer school. I went to summer school every single year in college. You did? Seven summer schools. Because you kept failing? No, I just, I never would leave. I went, yeah. my very first freshman year, I when I went home, after I did summer school, freshman year, and then I was like, I'm going to go home and work. And I went home and I bought a dog and the dog was tearing up my dad's house. And my, and my dad went to the cardiologist and my dad's cardiologist said, your son needs to go back to school. I think he's driving you crazy. He was like, I think you're having a heart attack because of your son. So I went back and I moved in with Judd and this guy, Judd and Cuz. These are the, I mean, this is like, like I look back, it sounds so silly, but I get so romantic for this. Cuz worked for Nabisco. And so if he got, he had to go into every store and if there was broken products, he just took them home and threw them out. I was yeah. supposed to throw them out. Yeah. So we got all the broken products from Nabisco's. Nutter butters were my favorite. We had so many Nutter butters, we'd lay them out until they got stale on the counter, and then you'd just be <laughs> eating Nutter butters. I found Sonic the Hedgehog, Widespread Panic, and Marijuana that summer. Got an iguana. <laughs> it was like the greatest summer of my fucking life. Yeah. Dude, it was like I had a Jetta. I had a Grateful Dead sticker on the back. Oh, it was like the ultimate fucking summer and i barely knew these guys they were my fraternity but i ended up living with them and then i was like i'm doing this every fucking summer yeah i could go through the summer by summer and just like i remember one summer uh this bar burnt down like in you know irish what's it called jewish lightning when it, when they burn it down for the insurance yeah and we went in and we uh burns down two days later still smoldering we go in and we pull out all the booze Nice. We steal all the booze and put it in trunks. Wow. All the covers are burnt. We don't know what we're drinking. And, <laughs> and uh, that's great. And then one night we got a trunk full of booze in my in the back of my Jetta. And we get this hair up our ass. We're like, let's do like a fear and loathing trip and just just get in the car and start driving. And dude, we ended up in West Virginia. Just I mean, drink like one person would drive. We'd all drink and then we'd pass out and then we'd switch. Someone else would drive. We'd all drink. It was like the craziest. I remember calling my mom on a payphone and being like, just so you know, I'm going on a road trip. I'm fine. Yeah. I miss that. Those summers. And you didn't have any money, but you fucking found a way. You know, you did it all on nothing. I was out. I lived in the Hamptons one summer with my brother and this kid, Sean Burgoyne. You, You don't ever get to do that again. I know. Doesn't that suck? Yep. And, you know, and the literally the gratification of working hand to mouth. Like I worked in this bar. We lived in a shithole. It was a flea infested you guys, one bedroom. You, hold on. You guys fucked those older girls. Did I tell you this? Dude, story? this is one of my favorite stories ever. Yeah. This is one of my, fu- dude, this is the thing that I live for in life is these moments where you'll never get them again. Keep yeah. going, keep going, keep so going. I, so I were staying in this one bedroom and it was literally like whoever got home first 
went into the bedroom and locked the door so he'd have a fucking bed. The other two guys slept on a foldout. Our legs and arms were cut. We looked like we had measles from all the flea bites. Dude, I'm no literally singing this song along in my head. Shag carpet, but it was a condo complex with a pool. And next door was a uh, these two sisters, the Palumbo sisters, and they God were from Queens. And uh, they had a two-bedroom tripped out with a fucking full bar beautiful kitchen everything was nice and they came out on the weekends and they'd come out and uh i fooled around with the older one who i was 19 that year and she turned 40 we celebrated her 40th birthday and that was my we had this relationship and i i i'm not didn't love her but i really liked her and uh we we loved the same books and she was very deep, very smart. She was an attorney. She was a big, she worked for Lee Iacocco at the time. She was like Jesus. one of his lead attorneys. And then her younger sister would come out. She was a hairdresser. And my brother was having an affair with her. And uh, they would come out and uh, they would cook all weekend. Real Italians make fucking ziti and chicken parmesan and we'd eat it. And then at the end of the weekend, they would put it all into Tupperware and give us all the leftovers. And that would last us till maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. And then they'd come back out on Friday. And we did this all summer. And then, and I was getting up. I worked at a at a place called Summers in, in on Dune Road in Hampton Bay. And I'd go out there. I'd have to I'd ride my bike seven miles. And I'd get there and I'd have to be there at like nine o'clock in the morning. And they had these giant fucking speakers that were the size of cars. There was like six of them. And they faced the, the beach because it, it was a beach bar. Yeah. And all these drunks were laying out on the sand from the night before, passed out. And, uh, and I would crank 2001 Space Odyssey, you know, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And you just see all these drunks like holding their ears and getting up and they would leave and we'd clear the beach. And then I'd, we'd start bringing up racks of liquor. There were, there were 12 bartenders all pouring at the same time at outdoor bars, giant oval bars with like seven bartenders at each one. And I would just wear a bathing suit and a tank top and carry it all day. Buckets of ice, fucking cases of beer, drinking Miller Lights all day, diving in the ocean every couple hours. And at the end of the day, you know, they'd close up at six o'clock. I'd be drunk. I'd get on my bike seven miles back home again, fucking hang out with the Palumbo sisters all summer. So wait, what's our version of that now? Like, like if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, like, there's so many things advice wise that I give to like a a 20 year old kid, a 21 year old kid, like. I'll tell you things I regret. I never worked a summer in Greece. Yeah. I wish I had I wish I had backpacked and then shut it down and said, you know what, I'm gonna work at the Pink Palace for the right. summer. Right. I never did that. I never I never like I, I always wish I had worked for um for, I, I I really wish I'd after college that I had taken like a year off and worked in Aspen. You know, with all that all the people that are of the same age doing the yeah. same thing, right. those little communities, working at like a beach bar in the Hamptons. Yeah. What is our version of that now in life? Say you're like 35, you're like us, and you're like, yeah, I got kids, I'm locked into this. Like, when do we get, Do like, can we have any of those? Like, you don't ever get that again. At this age, can we do that? I know. Well, I mean, with the internet, you kind of can, like, you know, stand-up is huge in Europe and Australia. You could go and say, I'm going to do a year in Australia and get uh-huh. into that scene, build up a little following, still do your podcast, 
and just it would be Bert Bert cast down under. You call it for a year. You call it a project. That's not bad. And you not immerse a bad yourself. Idea. You Airbnb your house for I bet a your fucking podcast profit. numbers would fucking skyrocket. Huge, and you would become so fucking big in Australia. You could go back there for two weeks every. Well, you're doing Australia, aren't doing you? Australia in a couple. And weeks. I noticed your shows are almost all sold out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Auckland. We have tickets left in Auckland. We had a second show in Sydney and a second show in Perth. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, of course. But um, the one thing I regret is when I was uh, when I was graduate high school, I didn't want to go to college. Yeah. So I went to work. I wanted to go to Europe, and so I, I uh, worked two jobs. I was a I was a cook at TGI Fridays at night, and then I was a caddy at a golf course. So for the whole summer, I worked fucking nonstop while drinking all the time. Yeah. I don't know how you did it. I saved $4,000. I got a backpack and I went to Europe by myself for six months. And I just traveled around. My first stop was Ireland. And I had like a, <laughs> a, a friend of a friend was meeting me in, in, uh, in Cork City, which is the most fun city in Ireland. Really? Meet up with this guy. His name was Tio. And we just fucking clicked. Soulmates immediately. And the first night he had me out till four in the morning at all the pubs. And, uh, and so I ended up staying there in that town for the first month of my trip. Holy shit. And I just got into like the, the whole world of Cork and then I left, I want to see the rest of Ireland. So he left with me and we traveled every fucking town on the West coast of Ireland, all the way up into Northern Ireland. And we realized that we were living the life that every backpacker really wanted to live. What are the right bars? Where is the cheap place to get a falafel? Yeah. Where do you find girls? What's the cheapest way to hitchhike? Where do you stand to hitchhike? And we realized this is a travel book we should be writing. We should travel Europe for a year, take copious notes and just party. And instead of let's go Europe, which was like the Bible back then, it was yeah. like every kid had it, but it was all, it was all museums and fucking, you know, cheap hotels as opposed to like hostels. We would have the hostels, and uh, and I didn't. That's one of my biggest regrets in life. Is that because he wanted to do it, and I and I bailed. Dude, that would be a an amazing podcast. Yeah. Like if you if you're too, please do it so that I know what to do. But like, say you say you're like 22 years old. You're out of college. You're like, what do I do? You get you and your best friend, and you just you take like advice from the internet. You find out what they do, and you go explore Europe for a year, and just do a podcast just literally detailing your trip through Europe and where you went and where it was popular. I would love to. It's so hard when you go to a new city, like we're going to Bali in a week and you go, where do we stay? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Same thing with Costa Rica. Where do I stay? Like, I don't know where, where, when I see the pictures online, where are they staying? That's what I do on Instagram is I, I find pictures of Bali and then I just follow that hashtag Bali. And then anytime I see a cool place, I send it to my daughters and I go, yo, put this down. And then so now we've got a bunch of pictures of places we want. We liked the picture. Yeah. So we're going to just go to all the pictures that we saw. Yeah. Dude, I went to Bali. I'll tell you where to go. Oh, for real? You went to Bali? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, first you start out, go to Jimbaran Bay, which is like all the high-end resorts. Is that is that near the airport down south? Yes. Yep. We're it's okay. We're going, tip. we're going there the first two nights. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive because yeah. it's all like, it's all internationally owned hotels. Yeah. And then you, then you grab a driver. And uh, the drivers there, everybody's named John because yeah. that's like the name in Bali. Okay. And everyone's John. And you get John in his van and he'll drive you for $10 a day. We'll drive you 
wherever the fuck you want to go. Right. And they'll, they'll take you to the right places to eat. They've got a cousin who's got a good restaurant in this town. So you go to a bood. We're going to a bood. Yeah, a bood. For three is, days in a bood. And that's all. That's the art center. And they have all these. And they, and it's like, that's like. Bro, the, you're, you're naming our trip right now, which makes me feel so fucking good. Yeah. And then you go up there and uh, and that's where all the artists are. Yeah. And, and our whole house is Balinese art. It's fucking beautiful. Really? And it's like the government subsidizes the artists. And so there's a, there's a whole city of artists. And you go around and they're living in huts and they're fucking sitting around smoking. And when they feel like doing art, they do art, but there's no pressure. And it's all, and they, they've got these Balinese calendars. You want to get one of those? Yeah. And you frame that, um, all, all kinds of handicraft. You can also buy uh, beautiful outdoor furniture that they make out of teak. Well, they ship you, it back to you? They ship that shit oh, right over Oh, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. I wish my wife was here right now. This is what my wife and I have been talking about, like, what to do. We're going to take a boat out, a private boat out to Nusa Penida. Oh, yeah. We're going nice. to take a private and go snorkeling. Yep. Um, every, every tour we're doing, I told my wife, I go, if it's a little extra, just get the private one. Yeah. Because I don't like being, like, I like, I don't like, it's gotten, uh, like, a little annoying where you sit down and it's other Americans. We're like, oh. Yeah, hey man, I saw your Netflix special, and you're like, yeah, yeah, oh, cool. And then, and my wife has noticed that I turn into a different person. Then, yeah, I, I like turn it on for the day. Right, yeah, who right. wants to do a shot? Huh? Shirts yeah, off, right? Yeah. So, and then you go to Kuta. Just go there for a couple days. Is that's, that up north? That's the northwest tip. Yeah. That's where the surfing is. That's where oh, the really? literally world class. You know that movie? Um, uh, what's the movie where they surf all the way uh, for and a the year? Summer. Yeah, and the yeah. summer is it? It it's there, and uh, take. You know, you can get a board there for a few bucks and you'll get a coach or a teacher yeah. and they'll go out in the water looking, with you. I'm looking at this. And just do it. It sounds crazy okay. that you'll surf. They got these boards that are fucking 14 feet long. You can't lose. They push you into the wave. and uh, But that's super touristy. You don't want to stay there that long. I'm Kuta. Yeah. I'm putting that on my thing. Um, Yeah. I, 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 can I tell you a business idea I had? Yeah. I'll bounce it off you. Tell me if it's any good. Kuta Beach. Yeah. It's about 8,000 miles away. All right. I got it. Um, I wanted to open... When I worked at Travel Channel, I'd, I'd have to work at Travel Channel again to really sell this. Um, I wanted to... Maybe I'll sell it as a TV show to Travel Channel. Do you know how like... What, what I found was if you got a show on Food Network... All you then had to do was open up a chain, open up a restaurant, and you'd make killing. Yeah. What if you had a show on Travel Channel and you were opening up Airbnbs? Okay. And you were going into like a place. <clears throat> the pitch is, I, I'm Burke Kreischer, and I have a hedge fund with $100,000 in it. And I'm going around this world every episode and picking a city and ground up building myself an Airbnb. That's the episode. Not so, buying an existing apartment. I, I find a place, I tear it down, I build it up. Okay. Right? Not just going in and find a place. So I go in and find the best locations. I find the best restaurants. I find the best place. And then I, I do a build, like a DIY build, where we're like, you know, like one episode of DIY where they're like, all right, you wanted it. You had this. We opened this whole door up and this is the bar. So I'm making an Airbnb that people then can then watch. So you watch. figure 100 grand, you can open them all around the world? Yeah, yeah, 100 grand. <laughs> They're going to have paper-thin walls, fucking linoleum floors. I meant 100 million. I meant 100 million. I got 100 grand. The first one's a hut in Bali. Fuck. 
This is why I need someone like you it's in my life. Got a grass roof. Oh fuck, <laughs> dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you go around, you open Airbnbs up, and you just—it's like a DIY show, like you know, like beach living or all yeah. those. But you go in, you find the place, and then while they're doing the build, which you come back to, you're exploring the city. You're doing the it. events. That's great. I'm telling you, man. I wish Travel Channel was wasn't entirely uh, fucking paranormal right now. Yeah. That's all they are. By the way, hold up the shirt for oh, uh, the shit. fans. I got a new T-shirt. This is Wait, good. don't show. Yeah, I'll tell the story first. Okay. So uh, I was working in Boston years ago when I was first starting out. And um, an overweight black woman called the club. We're assuming she's an overweight black woman for the sake of the story. And she calls up and she goes, uh, who on the show tonight? She was from the 19th century. And they said, well, it's uh, it's Jackie Flynn, Anthony Clark, and Greg Fitzsimmons. And she goes, is Grapefruit Simmons the headliner? And to this day, everybody in Boston calls me Grapefruit Simmons. So one of my fans heard that story. They made a shirt. Here it is. Hey, now. Available at Fitzdog.com. Grapefruit Simmons. <laughs> mid-roll reads. Mid-roll reads. What are they? These are mid-roll reads. <laughs> Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, confusing review process, literally just sitting in your office going, how can I find help? But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash BurtCast. ZipRecruiter sends jobs to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't just stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find the people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash BurtCast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T. ZipRecruiter.com slash BurtCast. ZipRecruiter.com slash BurtCast. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This podcast is also brought to you by Quip. It is time for spring cleaning and Quip has an easy way to start with your brushing habits. In just two minutes, twice a day, you can help pave a way for a healthier mouth and mind. And now the whole family can get refreshed with Quip. The new Kids Quip has the same two-minute timer and guiding pulses as the original version with no childish gimmicks so they can brush just like the grown-ups in their life. The new brush is the same as the original, just tweaked for the size down mouths. The kids are inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels like the products that the adults in their lives use and now they're proud to use Quip. Help them develop a grown-up routine without the childish gimmicks. The new brushes are a little smaller. They have watermelon anti-cavity toothpaste and rubber grip handles and colors that the kids will love. Same sensitive sonic vibrations, built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you to switch sides and help you clean your entire mouth and the multi-use cover, which I absolutely love. I've been using this brush the entire time on tour. I throw it in my backpack. I pull it out. I pull off the cover. I put it on the mirror. It sticks to the mirror. I throw my brush in the mirror and then I never forget to brush my teeth on the road. The best part of Quip is brushes are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5. A friendly reminder when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health. 
I absolutely love this brush. My daughter stole these brushes when we first got them, and now they're making them for kids. My daughters are going to lose their fucking minds. That's why I love Quip and why over 1 million happy, healthy mouths do too. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Burt right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free if you go to getquip.com slash Burt. Comedy Central has a new podcast called Your Two Dads with Sean and Julian. Hosts Julian McCullough and Sean O'Connor are comedians and longtime best friends who separately became dads. In the podcast, they're going to talk to other dads, moms, friends, and more, all while reviewing kids' food, children's TV, movies, and role-playing parenting scenarios from the news. They will also take your parenting questions and answer them so honestly, you will regret you asked them. These guys are not experts, but they're funny, and their kids are still alive. So it's got to count for something, right? If you're if you're a dad and you want to be a dad, or maybe you're not sure you want to be a dad, this show is for you. Subscribe, listen, and become a better person. None of those things are actually related. Subscribe to Your Two Dads with Sean and Julian for Comedy Central's idea of a parenting podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts <laughs> is grapefruit. That happened to my sister Cotty. Uh, we walked in. It was a, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a black woman. It was a like a disconnected, affected, uh, either Persian or Mexican kid behind a, a, at the Denny's when you turn off La Tijera to go yep. to the airport. Right. And we went in. We dropped off my parents, and we were coming back. We we're gonna have breakfast. Me and my sisters. My sister's name's Cotty, and we go in. She goes, "How long for a wait?" And he goes, "It'll be like ten minutes." She goes, okay. He goes, what's the name? And she goes, Cotty. And he goes, Crotchy? She goes, no, Cotty. And he goes, Cunty? <laughs> and she looks at him and she goes, yeah, yes, that's it. Of course she And then did. sits down and <laughs> stares at him. And he looks, he goes, your table's ready. And she goes, what's the name? And made him say it out loud. Cunty? She goes, table for Cunty. <laughs> God damn it. My my daughter and all of her friends have uh, Starbucks names. That's a big thing with teenagers. Oh, that's they go with Starbucks names. Hers is McLeod for some reason. But uh, oh my god! Wait, how old are your daughters? I think we have a daughter. Twelve and third? No, twelve and fourteen. Yeah, mine's fifteen. My, yeah, mine's turning fifteen next week. My my fucking twelve year old who is across the board thinks differently than any human being I've ever met. Yeah. Right. Uh, we got Starbucks at Target the other day, the Target over in uh, in the Valley, and I said, uh, I told her what I wanted. She and I'm I'm trying to force her to be independent. I said, uh, go up and you know order them. So she orders and they go name. She goes Illa, and I said Isla. That's not your fucking name. She goes Dad. Trust me, they're gonna say it wrong. It's Illa. So they write it out right. And the the fucking girl takes the order, looks at it, and goes, Isla? And said it perfectly. I went, oh, my God. I guess if you have that name, yeah. you learn that if you say Isla, they're going to spell it wrong. And so, like, a, a week later, we're at our Starbucks. So we're getting Starbucks, and I say, Isla. And I swear to God, the woman grabs it goes, Lily? Uh, Lily? Cece? Cece? Illa? And I go, it's It's Isla. And Isla goes, should have just told her Illa. Yeah. It was a fucking amazing. That's her life hacks. You figured it out. Yeah, it's like you figured out quickly and you're like. Right. I always get Brent, Brent, Bert, Brett, 
No yeah. one ever says Bert. Black people always say Simmons. I think it's a very common African American name. So when Greg I Simmons? say when I check into a hotel and I say Greg Fitzsimmons, ninety percent of the time, if it's African American, they say Simmons. That's interesting. Black women always say my name like it's like it like it it bothered them. Like when I I always go Bert and they go Bert. <laughs> like how the fuck did you get named that Bert? Yeah, Bert. I ain't never met a Bert before. <laughs> and I would say they don't make them in black. Eh, that's hilarious. Yeah, there's no black Berts. There was a that's a there's a big deal about like uh for me at least, coming from Florida, I didn't know very many I didn't know very many black people at all. I didn't know very I didn't know any Asians. I didn't know one Indian. I didn't know anyone in Florida. Wow. It was very segregated. Yeah. And moving to New York and working with black audiences and and mostly at the Boston Comedy Club, Puerto Rican and Black. It was like a huge discovery period of my life. Yeah. Like I would say things that I don't even know if they're racist, but I would discover them. Like I remember there was a, a guy in the front row who had dreadlocks and he was balding. And I said, sir, does just one day does just one dreadlock fall out altogether? <laughs> and he was like, huh? And I said, like, when I lose my hair, it just starts thinning, thinning, thinning. And then I go, oh, that whole area is gone. Do you ever just wake up and there's a dreadlock in bed with you like a snake? <laughs> And everyone's like, what the fuck are you saying to this guy? But I was like, I don't know. I'm asking. Yeah. I have no fucking idea. Yeah. That's hilarious. No, that's the great thing about stand-up comedy is it is one of the true melting pots. It is not stand-up's a meritocracy. And if you're a black comic and you're funny, you're going to work. If you're a female comic yeah. and you're funny, you're going to work. And that group of people ends up at the club. Now, granted, there are black clubs and there are clubs that I think err on being too white. But for the most part, when you're in the comedy community, especially yeah. in New York, um, you are around your peers and they are all races and everybody gets treated the same. Did you see what was going on with Legion of Skanks and Milo Yiannopoulos? No. That was fucking insane. That was insane. And, and I don't know where to stand on this because I don't technically agree with Milo Yiannopoulos. And I probably would not have him on my podcast. But is he Greek? I, no, no, no. He's the he's like. Um, by the way, I am broad stroking everything, so I'm using the word allegedly, and like I don't really know what the fuck I'm talking about. He was an alt right. He he's the guy that infamously I think attacked Leslie Jones. Okay, like he was the guy that spearheaded that allegedly. I don't remember. I don't know you enough had to about say him. Spearhead. <laughs> <laughs> he was the guy who was in charge of that okay he's like a gay alt-right and they call him a nazi but i don't think he's a nazi but i don't know like i don't have i won't have any of those guys on my podcast not because i don't want to talk to them i would love to talk to him alex jones all those guys i would love to the problem is i am such a non-confrontational person that i would be agreeing with stuff i don't know what mm -hmm. they're saying and people would be like bert do you even know what you fucking said yeah. you said that all jews should be i'm like i do i was just i was just nodding um but he, they, Legion's uh, Skanks had him on. I think they made a couple mistakes. I think they promoted it, which they were going to do at the Creek in the Cave, and they promoted it. And then once that happened, the uh, the liberal comedians in Brooklyn, all the like, I think mostly open micers, but like, I don't really know, but I don't know any of their names. I don't know them personally. I know one or two of them, but they like lost their shit and they started like, they started sending out like, directions to find a mcdonald's because people throw milkshakes at them at, at milo yannanopoulos they throw milkshakes at them 
and they were like, milkshake these motherfuckers. Like, this, we should boycott the co- creek in the cave. And it was such, a, and then Louis J. Gomez, who, like, I was blown away that Eric Heidecker even knows who Louis J. Gomez is. Like, I, the fact that Louis J. Gomez and Eric Heidecker are, know each other at all is Eric fucking, is from Tim and Eric? Yeah, Tim and Eric. Yeah. He's the, the, the smaller one. Yeah. He was fuck like he like lit them up and then everyone like it was like a huge alt comedy versus bro comedy moment which was and it was all based on free speech yeah and i i was like was, I was it good dude i followed it i followed it ari was there ari was on it ari said it was great i haven't heard the podcast it comes out friday i'm gonna listen to the podcast i don't agree with what milo ever says i don't yeah. I, I don't I don't, by the way, I also don't care. Like, there's a lot of shit I don't care about. Mm-hmm. Like, where I just go, oh, I'm blown away that people care yeah. about Milo. Just don't listen to him. Yeah. But it was really crazy. And it was really, like, what you were saying a little bit, it was this real division of, like, white comedy clubs, like these these woke alt comedy clubs versus comedy clubs. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you know, like, the seller. Yeah, no, that's the thing about these, like, UCB and all those places. They're so fucking white. It's all trust fund kids that are in their 20s and somehow can afford apartments in LA and to be at comedy shows every night. And they're they're usually like just out of college. Their parents paid for college. Yeah. And then you go to a real comedy club and the audience is black, Latino, Jewish, old, whatever, and you get a real cross section. And so it reflects in the comics that are performing there also. Oh, 100%. What was crazy is at one point, there were two uh, liberal... Um, uh, alt comics arguing racism to Lewis, who's Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. They were calling him a white. They were arguing racism with a Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. which was so like um. If you're talking about mansplaining or checking your privilege, yeah, to talk to a guy who watched his father get stabbed in the streets in the fucking Bronx, mm-hmm. like to then go this is what racism is to a guy who's experienced it his whole fucking life. Yeah. I just was like, what the fuck is our world coming to? Yeah. But I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's kids who never really experienced uh regular life. Mm-hmm. Like do a club with black comics. Yeah. Have to follow a black comic. Who was your first black friend then when you moved to New York? This is where you find out Bert. Tony Woods. Never made one. Tony Woods. <laughs> Tony Woods. Tony Woods was the first. I mean, I'm like, I was friends with Godfrey, Donnell, um, I'm, I, I party with Mike Epps a lot, mm-hmm. um, but like friend, meaning like someone I would like call and yeah, and, and, talk. And, and talk to was Tony Woods. Still yeah. is Tony Woods. Tony right. Woods is, was really instrumental to a lot of how I was doing stand up and what, what I was doing wrong. Great was, fucking comic, dude. He's just. I mean, there's a guy I always wondered why he didn't make it big. Good looking, smooth, smart. I have no fucking idea. I saw him do. Last comic standing auditions, and he just didn't really didn't give a fuck. Almost to the point where it was detrimental. I was like, Yeah, I wanted to go, Tony. Can I tell you what jokes to tell? Because yeah. I know they'll murder and no one can follow them. Mm-hmm. Like, just tell those. He was he is so talented. We you know what we did one time? This is probably the one of the greatest moments I've had on stage in my career. I'm at the DC improv. He shows up, and I in the back, I hear. Hey, man, why don't you tell your Tracy Morgan story? Because Tony was there the night that Tracy Morgan story uh-huh. happened. So he <clears throat> witnessed the entire story with me. He was there. The entire story was me and him. 
So I go, is that Tony Woods? My wife's in the audience. My camera is in the fucking green room. I go, is that Tony? And Tony goes, yeah. Yeah, shorty, let me, I'm on, I want to hear your story. I said, why don't you come on stage and we'll tell the story together. So we told dueling Tracy Morgan stories of the, that one night where I'd start telling and he'd stop me and correct me. Uh-huh. And then he'd start telling and I'd stop him. It was fucking genius. You're like the Sklar brothers, the interracial Sklar brothers. It was so funny. And we ended it to get, I said, and at the very end of the night, then Tony goes, Tracy Morgan takes his shirt, snaps it, looks at Bert and says, and at the same time, we said the same thing. And the fucking place erupts. Standing ovation. That's our show. Come see Tony That's next awesome. time he's here. I get off. My wife's like, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen ever. I go, did you videotape it? She goes, oh, I should have, shouldn't oh. I? Oh, I was like, my. That would have changed my career. Yeah. Like, oh, that's great. Tony was Tony was the first, like, I remember us getting in conversation. I remember one night he said to me, he goes, have you ever said the N-word? I was like, yeah, of course. And he was so shocked. He was like, you? I was like, in my head, I was like, what did I, yeah, of course. They're like, wait, in my head, I'm like, I've, I've sung it a million times. <laughs> sung it? Like, I, I grew oh, up. Oh, from rap Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Grew, I don't just sing it when I'm doing yard work. Yeah. But like, <laughs> <clears throat> But I go, I'm not, I'm not like, I go, I'm, I'm like, I grew up in the South. Of, co- of course, I I mean, like, he was like, I remember him just being like, really? Wait, who was your black, first black friend? Um, Jimmy Ridenour, who um, was a kid who, we were good friends and we had a running bit. I was, when I was in like, you know, fourth grade, I was already doing comedy routines really i was already i had bits this kid john yurzak and me we at lunchtime we used to stand on the steps and this fucking gaggle of young girls would stand there like an audience and we would do bits and i mean like theme song from the muppet show like childish oh, shit wow and uh and so i had a bit with this guy uh jimmy ridenauer and i would pretend he was a big kid and i would pretend that I was threatening him and he would like kowtow and it was just funny. <laughs> and we did it for fucking two or three years. Yeah. And then when we got to a certain age, we moved up to the middle school and all of a sudden there was like older black kids. And in where I grew up in Tarrytown, there was a lot of black kids and a lot of them were related. There was a lot of cousins. Yeah. And, uh, and so he was with some of his older cousins one day and I came up and I started doing the bit. And he walked over and he picked me up oh. and he fucking dropped me on the ground. And then he just turned around and walked away with the other guys. And I was laying there like out of breath. I just remember looking up and he just kind of like looked back at me like. You can't do that to me in front of them. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And that guy later on was living in, <sighs> I want to say Arkansas. And he joined the army and he was living in Arkansas. He had a white wife and he was selling a used car. So these two rednecks show up to his house to see the car. They see his white wife and they fucking took him for a ride and they killed him. Is that real? That's real. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. I am so shocked. And I know this sounds, this is an asinine thing to say. I'm so shocked that that exists mm-hmm. that that like like when you hear the story about uh not larry bird james bird getting dragged behind a truck that there's people that believe that way yeah i'm so fucking blown away yeah 
that there are people that would act on those thoughts. Right. Like when they say there's racism in this country, I go, oh yeah, 100%, I totally agree. But when they say there's Nazis or neo-Nazis in this country and that the majority of the, I go, well, it's a, that's a very small minority. But the fact that there even exists at all, I'm like, who the fuck can live their life like that? Like it's gotta well, be. Well, and also that there's shades <clears throat> of it. I mean, there's examples like that, which obviously make you nauseous and angry. Uh, but then within that, there is, you talk to audiences after shows sometimes, yeah. you know, you're in some, some backward states and they will say the N word and they oh, will yeah. say things. And you realize like it's insidious. And when you talk about a black person going to rent an apartment and the realtor being like one of those people, you're not getting that apartment. No, you're not getting that job. And people want to talk about that, you know, well, they should pull themselves up by their bootstraps or whatever the fucking racist ideology is behind why black people are making less on the dollar than white people are and yeah. and whatever. It's like, you know, there is there is a, you know, systematic cultural racism that we don't want to acknowledge. It's it's. Uh, it's just mind blowing to me. You know, you know what I heard? The other day, is they they were telling me, and by the way, hardcore allegedly, I don't know what this is. They were saying that the Matthew Shepard hate crime was not, in fact, a hate crime. Which was the Matthew Shepard one? Uh, Idaho, the gay guy. Oh, right, right. Two guys took him out to the woods yeah. and killed him and left him for dead. Beat yeah. him up, left him for dead. I I don't. By the way, this is such hardcore hearsay. Someone said, "Oh yeah, you didn't hear that? That was just." Um, that was that was a a topic that the LBGT community put as an agenda, but he was actually killed for drugs. It had nothing to do with his sexuality, but they thought it would make great news to be like a, a big poster head, right. which is interesting because, you know, I I found this out. I was obsessed with Rosa Parks for a period, like obsessed with her, like the idea that the idea that she did that blew me away. Is that like I am so I have such an issue with confrontation. The fact that she could do that in that day and age, I was just obsessed with that kind of personality, right? Mm -hmm. Then I found out there were four chicks before Rosa Parks. I was just going to say that. Yeah, and she I wasn't the first. And and what what they were look like, and this is the thing that I go, where I see that Matthew Shepard thing, and I go, oh, I do see that as a possibility where a gay kid gets beat to death, and they look at it, and they go, fuck it, pivot it, sell it this way. We need a, we need a poster boy. I only reason I say that is like, the four chicks behind them, they were trying to get behind each of them and each of them had a flaw. And Rosa Parks wasn't some like, she was just some chick that was like, fuck that, I'm not moving. And she had no like chinks in her armor. They couldn't fuck with her at all. The other chick, one one of them it's, ended up- By the way, it's Chinese. Chinese in their armor. Right. She didn't have any Chinese in her armor. She, she uh, that's a good joke. She didn't have any Chinese in her armor. The one chick was pregnant, was 13 and pregnant. Yeah. One chick- beat up the two cops in baltimore uh, like everyone had they right. couldn't use them but they were the, but that movement was looking for a poster well trial. martin luther king was you know there was malcolm x who was around before martin luther king and he was calling for insurrection yeah you know, he was call, calling for an overthrow he wanted to he wanted to you know smash the smash the system and martin luther king came along and he was uh, you know, Gandhi, passive resistance. He was nonviolent. He was John Snow. And the government said, this is the guy that we're going to, 
you know, make deals with is the guy that we're going to, the press is going to. I would have been a Martin. I would have been a, a Malcolm X guy. Yeah. Oh, as hardcore. a black person or as a white person? As a, as a black person. Yeah. I would have been a hardcore Malcolm X. Yeah. I would have not. I, I, I like, I, I just know that that's my personality. Like I would have just leaned that way. Like time to break the wheel. I'm going with, uh, with fucking Daenerys Targaryen. Well, what do you think about the women's movement right now? I mean, if you were a woman, would you be a hardcore? Um, I mean, there, there's, cause I went on the women's March and there was, I went, I went to the one in Boston. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. There's more as like a, more as like a, just check in. Well, there was, there were women there that were there to um, be supportive and there was women there that wanted to break the wheel. And there was a woman, I remember there was a woman that had on a t-shirt that said, um, I don't want to hear any more from white men. And I was just like, I don't know. I'm a white man. I'd like to have a conversation with you. Yeah. And, but I don't know. But at the same time, if I was a woman and you know, you could show me systematically that we're being held back and paid less or whatever, whatever it is that, you know, your understanding is of it, which changes different people believe different things. Yeah. But I'm the kind of person where I would probably be pretty militant about it. I don't know. I would be definitely militant. I would definitely be militant. If I was being oppressed, I would be militant. Like I listened to an article, uh, an interview today with Charlemagne the God and, uh, and, um, and, Matt, and uh, Killer Mike. And they were talking about reparations. And immediately I go, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not, I'm not going to start giving up my money for reparations. My, my family wasn't even here at that time. And they were saying, which was interesting, <clears throat> if you can prove that your family was descendant of slaves, you should get reparations, be it a portion of the marijuana business, uh, a, a portion of land. Uh, it should be something. They don't know what it is yet. But then, then Charlemagne said, well, then Frederick Douglass said only people who own slaves should be a part of that reparations. And Magic Mike goes, no, it should be all white people. And I thought, well, hold on. If it's all white people, then it's got to be all black people. Like, you can't just go, my, fa my family was in Ireland during that slavery. I shouldn't be a part of that. Mm -hmm. I had nothing to do with slavery whatsoever. Why, 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 why wouldn't, there's a Jamaican guy that gets oppressed just as bad as a guy who's der derived out of ancestry, out of slavery. Why wouldn't he get reparations? It was, and I was like, immediately, as I got defensive, I thought, oh, if I was black, I'd be calling for reparations in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'd be like, uh, we get something. We get something. Well, Georgetown University is doing it. I heard about that. They're doing a thing where, because I guess the campus was built by slaves. And so Holy they are, fuck. they are, they have traced down all the actual descendants. And, you know, thanks to like 23andMe and all Fucking these. Fucking 23andMe started all this? It's one of the, that's how they found the descendants. And so they've been notifying them, knocking on doors and saying, uh, guess what? You're related to a slave that built Georgetown. And they're charging this. It's not official. It's a proposal. I'm not sure if it's going through, but that they would they would put a surcharge on the tuition. Not even that much. I think it would be like 50 bucks or something a yeah. year, and that money would be divided and given to the uh, the ancestors. I'm cool with that. I think so. I'm cool with that. I'm cool. By the way, I'm also cool with the, like, I'm cool with the militant lesbians, or not uh, the feminists. My bad. Militant <laughs> feminists and militant <laughs> lesbians. <laughs> like, like, uh, 
and now I'm getting even cooler with it. Like, cause I like, I like watching things dissolve. Like I like like Lisa Milana came out and said, uh, we should hold a sex strike. You know? Oh shit. You, like, did you hear that? Well, he, the, yeah, the I didn't abortion hear thing, that now. The abortion thing in, in Atlanta happens about heartbeat law. And a miss Alyssa Milana comes out and goes, ladies, we need to withhold sex from our men until this changes. And and then she said some fucked up shit. She was like, this affects black people more than anyone. Basically, basically, in essence, saying black women have more kids. They get pregnant more often. She didn't realize what she was saying. Yeah. She was trying to be liberal. She just got yeah, ahead of herself. Yeah. She just got ahead of herself going, you know, black women, we're here for you. Yeah. You girls are whores. You guys fuck a lot. And so these NFL players were like, yo, what the fuck are you saying about black women? And wait, why do we have to be for your laws? We're people of faith. We don't believe in abortion. Like it was. And and then when you watched and then had to watch Alyssa Milano backpedal mm. and you're and she was like, actually, I mean, like, I love watching all that shit. And if you stay in, out of the fray and just be like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. White women have to be real careful not to speak for black women. I think Lena and Dunham might have done that also. Uh, Lena Dunham. Lena, I have. A quote out of a Rolling Stone magazine that it said that was written, I think, by a black woman. It says, Lena Dunham has consistently had a blind spot when it comes to race. Yeah. Like just oblivious. Yeah. And it's so funny to see people, I won't say names, but people who, especially women, white women that are big spokesmen that you know, that made horrific jokes all fucking their entire career, mm-hmm. now just retweet like these like i know exactly who you're talking about yeah and you're like what the, like where was this yeah i know you can't play it both ways fucking someone hold you to the exact standard mm-hmm. that you're pretending to hold everyone else to because that's fucking ridiculous i don't speak for black men ever ever never would i tell you what it's like to be a black man or would i look man i don't even retweet black men's issues it I'll agree with you. I'll help you. I'll do whatever the Black Lives Matters. Okay, I'm I'm here. I'm listening. That's all you got to do. I don't fucking. Oh my god, that is so frustrating. When you yeah. see those people, you go, "What's hypocrisy? Are you covering your trails?" Yeah, yeah. You sound like those fucking guys that all those. There were some guys that got way too me tooy, and you're like, "How many women did you rape?" Yeah. Like, I, like I can tell you, the average guy just kind of goes, "Hey man, we should listen." Those ones that are fucking virtue signaling with their pitchforks. You're like, yo, what do you? What did you do? It's a tough spot because you know, as a guy who makes a lot of my money writing on TV shows, there is a mandate in Hollywood for diversity, and I just went through staffing seat because I was writing on Crashing the last two years, and that got canceled. So I'm looking for another writing job, and this is staffing season. Basically, is over now, but it's been going on the last couple months, and uh, I'm friends with a bunch of showrunners. Reached out about shows consistently heard from every one of them. Sorry, man, I just can't hire any white men. So it's like, I'm mixed because I'm married. I have a daughter. I totally buy that women are getting a bad shake. I've been in writer's rooms that have been almost all men my whole life. I, I see less women. Uh, you know, obviously you look at the late night talk shows, there's not a single woman and you go, all right, quantifiably, there's a big issue here, but there's also the part of me that goes, I got to pay a mortgage Yeah, and I can't get a fucking job right now. Should you be punished for the, for the benefits or for the system that was in place before you? Well, I don't know. And, you know, and I'm certainly willing to, to, uh, 
take it on the chin. And like you said, all you can do is listen. You have to shut up and listen right now. But and by at the, the same way, time, podcast like, fans don't want that. Yeah. They don't want anyone that listens. I did a podcast with a female comedian who was very militant. What uh, was her name? Um, Ashling B. Mm-hmm. Very militant fez- feminist. And she told me, she came on very hot and she had an agenda. I didn't realize she came in with a little bit of an agenda and her agenda was the comedy store is sexist. They need to book 50% comedians, female, 50% male. And out of that, it should be a shade of every race. You shouldn't, they go, it's racist that you would book Joe Rogan, you and Joey Diaz on any show together or that Mark Maron would get a spot on that or David Spade or they, she's like, that's racism. That's sexism. You were here for that. Right. And I, I just listened. I just listened yeah. because I wasn't going to argue. This is, by the way, in the heat of the Me Too. I just listened. And man, I caught so much shit from people on this podcast. Yeah. Fuck you, Bert. How dare you? You're not going to stand up for us. You're not. And it, but by the way, do you know who I got the most shit from? Who? Female fucking comedians that work at the store. Yeah. I worked at the, I walked into the store the first time. Fucking. I got lit up by every female comedian. You mean, Why bo- the f- you mean both the female comedians? Both of them, Annie Letterman <laughs> and fucking. <laughs> no, but it was like it was like such fucking horseshit that you try to listen, mm. and then you become. But that that here's my thing: are there be and, and you don't have to answer this. I'll just put it in the ethos. I don't know if that's ether. I don't know if that's the right word. Ether. That's why I'm yeah. Are there that many? talented women that have been been ignored based on their sex for these jobs or are they simply opening up opportunity to mediocre writers based on their sex it's all about the pipeline you know it's all about like you know i had a woman a female comedian on my podcast this week and she brought up that there should be equal amount of female headliners on the road And that there are enough female comedians that could do the same job as men. And I took issue with that. She doesn't know what she's fucking talking about. It has nothing to do with, it has to do with selling tickets. It has to do with selling tickets, but it also has to do with, all right, women, women are not getting stage time at the entry level as much as men. That has to be looked at because without that stage time, they can't become strong feature acts. Without becoming strong feature acts, they can't become strong headliners. How about being, this? How about being this? a headliner doesn't mean you can do 45 minutes. It means you can hold and control and kill an audience for 45 minutes. That's what a headliner and, and, is. And how about this? And, and I would argue this to th- this female comedian. I don't know who it is. And I don't want to know because I don't want to change my opinion because I'll probably like her. I'll probably be like, oh, I love Karen Kilgareth. The, um, the, uh, if you're a female... And you've been doing it six years and you're attractive and you can feature immediately you get bumped up to headliner. There is a jump that happens for any comedian. Amy, sure. I'll use Amy as an example. Amy, Amy was a competent comedian uh, at like eight years in seven, for, what, what two years, two years in she won last comic standing. Oh yeah. Eliza had been doing standup for a year. Yeah. One last comic standing. We could argue, uh, neither of them were, uh, seasoned seasoned at that time but they were attractive uh amy came in fifth eliza won i think she'd been doing comedy one year um and she won it uh she was talented yeah of course but is eliza Chappelle? like i mean is she the greatest comedian of our generation no she's a great comic but 
Here's the problem, though. And Eliza dodged this bullet. I don't think Amy did. Eliza got out of the way of it. Amy took it to the chest. Is both of them at, say, seven years, eight years in, which is early as a comedian to be doing our specials, both got offered all the opportunities that, say, uh, uh, Jeff Ross, Greg Giraldo, Patrice O'Neill, they were all, they were literally put on the exact same playing field as Attell, Colin Quinn. That was they were then levitated up to there, but they hadn't been doing it quite as long. They got all these opportunities, and they technically, if we're talking about uh, the amount of time in the industry, they weren't allowed to develop and be as seasoned as these guys getting these. Opportunities. So you're saying, in other words, the industry may pluck them out of. What would be what, a, what would be the normal the farm season, course the farm of getting league, good and right, let them right. get good and get yes. great? Well, yeah, it happens to stra- male comics as well. Like, uh, but, uh, but it happens to black comics. Doesn't happen as much to white comics. Gerard Carmichael. Gerard Carmichael, perfect example. Guy's super talented and immediately gets gets put into a system where it's okay if you're in that system and you're Dave Chappelle. Yeah, you know, and you've been doing it fucking 30 years and you go you yeah started at 16 yeah. and i'm gonna i'm gonna write a book i'm gonna do a tour i'm gonna do a movie I, i'm martin lawrence i've been doing it 20 years i'm gonna write a book do a movie do a couple movies and, and do, do, do another tour kevin hart kevin hart's been doing it 20 years 20 some odd years i'm gonna do five movies i'm gonna do another special when you've been doing it six years you're you're just not seven years five years 10 years the system is set up so that if you're kind of good as a female and you're at that age, like where they go, whoa, I don't want to age her out, right? Anything past 33 is going to look old on television. Grab her, put her in, plug her in. There's very few Chelsea handlers who can handle all that. Even Chelsea had to stop touring and just turn it into her TV show. And so I would argue that like that women, this this system fucks women. How, there was a girl that was on Kill Tony with me, fucking dime, dime. She had been doing stand-up for six weeks and she said on there yeah i'm nervous i got my first headlining week coming up yeah but she got headlined because she's gorgeous well what about unattractive women do you they, think they, they get a bad shake no and i think that's comedy? why that's why some of them are some of the best comics out there mm. i'm not going to say their names because that would be horrible but mm. like i know i know a couple that are fucking killers on stage that no one can follow and the industry just walks past them like they're some regular white dude. Right. Let's right. them do stand up for 20 years. And then yeah. one day they show up and they're like fucking killers on stage. Yeah. And so like I think that it's 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 a fucked up system in place. A guy like me who's like not that it, not I'm like not like ever been young looking. I've never been like cool. I'm not like Delia who's like fucking castable and leading man and funny and in shape and wears cool clothes. I'm allowed to develop for 20 years it's like it's like leaving a marijuana plant in the field to get as many nodes and and buds on it as possible and just keep walking by and then one day they go oh i didn't know that was a marijuana plant yeah i believe it is a meritocracy and i think that you know the the tastes of the industry are going to change it's cyclical and i do think that if you just keep your head down and you keep writing and you keep trying to do as many sets as possible that things happen and i think for women it really is it really is disheartening i'm sure for them to look at the lineups because i don't think there's a ton of spots for women on the lineups and then you got to look at it and you go why you know you got to look hard at why and you're and right like you you're said right. are they selling tickets i don't know are they killing i don't know well then why what do they need to do to get to that level and what can the community do 
to help them and foster them getting there. Like, let's take a look. Because at, like, I don't agree that there are an equal number of strong female and 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 male headliners. I don't think it's the same number. I, but I, I don't think it's the same number because I think of what I was saying is that they pluck them out early. Yeah. And like guys like me get to do the road. Right. Uh, uh, like literally uh, in oblivion for 10 years. I yeah. get to do the road for 10 years and it doesn't register on anyone's radar. Yeah. And then you look at someone like Beth Stelling, who we're both friends with. I mean, think about this. If Beth was a dude, she'd just be doing stand-up, right? Just focusing. She wouldn't be like writing on every different show. She can literally, she is going to benefit from these more than anyone because she's hilarious mostly, but she's also a female and she can get plucked into right on crashing and then literally walk away from that show and get on Sarah's show. And then like pick her the end. She can pick any job she wants, but if she was a dude, that wouldn't happen. And she would just be doing a standup and she'd probably be a fucking monster because all those jokes that she wrote for crashing or for Sarah, all that focus she took away from her art would just be solely about her. Mm-hmm. And she'd be creating her own opportunity. She wouldn't have opportunities. She'd be creating her own opportunities, going to the funny bone, flying in Wednesday night so she could do early radio, doing fucking 10 years of radio before she gets the opportunity at, at 46, which she would not get an opportunity at 46. This industry is fucked up. Yeah. They would never go like, let's wait till best 46. See her then. No, it's true. The window closes for women. It, it starts does. later. I mean, if you're not attractive and Beth is attractive. That's beautiful. And she's a fucking, she's a comic that gets better every year. And she she is logging her hours on the road. She's doing it all. She's doing a lot. She is yeah. going out on the road, but she is also writing. And I know a lot of times with those white guy things, when you get poked into writing, your stand-up suffers. Right. Because you're giving good material Well, to I've been the show. writing for- 15 years and I do look back and say I could be at another place with my stand-up if I wasn't writing as well. Dude, I look at the time I spent on Travel Channel, it's just two different brain structures. Yeah. You go, you're in production brain, you're in host brain. Yeah. You're not in stand-up. When you're in stand-up brain, that's your everything's about your act. Mm-hmm. And if and if you took all those different hats that Beth has to wear away mm-hmm. and just gave her stand-up. Yeah. And like, and then, you know, but you're right, the industry says they age out. And the industry right. doesn't want to hear from you know, Wendy Liebman, who's a fucking, fucking killer. killer, dude, Judy Gold, Judy Gold, fucking, Kathy Ladman. Um, uh, fuck. I just had her on my podcast. Uh, Jessica Curson. Yeah. Jessica Curson is a monster. She's a monster. None of us can follow her on stage. None of us. Yeah. And, and, and has a voice, has a very unique, <sighs> a lesbian mother who is from Jersey and can be aggressive on stage and fucks with the crowd. You know, dude, Paula Bell. Yeah, there's so many hilarious older women that you go. They, for whatever reason, the industry didn't grab them at the right time, and then yeah. the industry just kind of ignores them. Yeah, and you go like, that's one of that's what I'd fucking. I mean, that's the where I my where the hill I die on is all those really talented women that didn't get the opportunities that they were afforded because of sexism. Yeah, yeah. Look at two white men talking Jesus, about... Jesus, what are we doing, Bert? We're just pissing off women comics yeah, right now. I know. Poor Beth's going to be like, what the fuck did I do to you? Yeah. Like, no, I think Beth's, I think Beth's brilliant. Beth I, is I, brilliant. She works her ass off. And she does. And she's totally unique. She has like a... She has a, a, a very rare... Um, she has very rare quality of not really giving a shit that she's unusual, that the way she thinks is different. She'll just like 
do a big leg kick in the writer's room, like out of nowhere. Yeah. Or she'll do something on stage that's just not just silly. Yeah. And uh and that I think that's the thing that I think is gonna make her a a big name is that she's if somebody can figure out how to bottle that, that she's that gotta get away from writing, in my opinion. If I don't want, know. Because I, I, I think I think writing You're also learning so you're going to get your own oh, yeah, show someday yeah, and you're yeah. going to know how to, how it should be done. Uh, I guess you're right. I, maybe I should have written on, I, I submitted one writing package one time and uh, for David Spade's talk show on Comedy Central. Yeah. And Mike Gibbons ran that. Hugh, no, Hugh Fink did. Oh, Mike replaced him. Hugh Fink uh, took my package, liked it. And then found out I was just a stand-up and was like, nah. Oh, yeah. He's, you know what? And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, I guess, because I, you know, I look at like my time at Travel Channel and I go, man, if I hadn't done that, I look at Segura and he just focused on stand-up that whole time and he yeah. just, just leapfrogged me in fucking perpetuity. Mm -hmm. Like I'll never catch up with where he is. Four fucking specials while I was doing shit no one watched. Mm -hmm. And it's because my brain wasn't writing comedy. Yeah. But give me 10 years to write... I don't know where, like, I, you're right about that. But, like, I hope we didn't offend any of these women. Like, Sarah's a perfect example. I don't, Sarah never wrote on anything, did she? She just focused on Sarah. She wrote on SNL, but that was only, like, a year. And I think that's what they do to you on SNL is, if you want to be a performer, a lot of times they hire you as a writer. And then yeah. you pitch stuff, and maybe they'll let you perform something. Sarah's one of those few prolific ones that I think... She's brilliant. Where she, at six years in, I think she was... Like, I won't, I'm not going to compare her to Chappelle. I think it's bad to compare anyone to Chappelle, but Sarah's never dropped the ball for me. She's always had a voice, a distinct voice and been smart and cool. She is, most comedians, if they're cool, they're not funny. It's very rare to find cool and funny in a comedian. Yeah. And she is. She is cool as fuck. Janine, I've always had a fucking massive crush on Janine. Yeah, Janine's Dude, great. Janine's, Janine's voice, even when like I've seen her, I saw her in New York the other day, or, and I think she came off stage saying she bombed. Dude, I would much rather watch that than 90% of what's out there. She's always doing something interesting. It's, I never yeah. find it bombing. We did a show in Montreal together, and she was like super embarrassed. It was for CISO, which is gone now. She was like, oh my God, I bombed. I'm so embarrassed to go into the green room. And I was like, hey, Janine, all of us bombed, but yours was beautiful. Yeah. Mine was pathetic. Yeah. Mine was like needy and wanty. Yeah. Yours was, I was like, oh my God. Right. Maria Bamford is as good as anybody out there. She's incredible. Dude. Do you remember her show she did uh, when she pretended to move back with her parents? Oh, yeah. And did it out of her bed? Yeah. That's the, that's probably the, the greatest. I, this might be one of the greatest things I've ever seen online. Yeah. Where I saw it and I went, oh my God, this yeah. is fucking genius. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to do another special. I got the material and I put it on tape. And now I got to go out and try to push it on uh, Netflix and Comedy Dude, Central. It's, but again, being a straight white male, trying to get a, a one hour special right now. They did the they did the 15s and someone, Nikki Glazer came in. I think it was Nikki. And she was like, yeah, the 15 minutes just came out. And she was like, and there was only one straight white male i mean kudos netflix and i go well hold on is that is that fair like is i mean like are you telling me that there's only like like if they did 30 of them that only like uh, three percent of stand-up comics that are funny are white males and mm. she was like no mm. i was like yeah but i mean 
I understand giving opportunities to everyone, but it, I think the bar should be even. Maybe I'm just a white guy saying that for my own benefit, not realizing how high my bar already is before right, anyone right, starts. Right. Maybe that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, but like, <clears throat> it I mean, look, be. I we I got the benefit of being a straight white male for a long from forever until about a year ago. So luckily, I bought a house. I saved some money. Uh, we, you know, stand up. Nobody I was gives, I was ready for this fuck. white guy apocalypse. Yeah, I was. Re- I really I I was ready for like a comedian. I was ready for some kind of apocalypse. And I really do think that like you know, luckily I got the podcast where it's it is what it is. Yeah. And uh, stand up. I don't think anybody's ever gonna. I don't think headliners on the road. There, there's a lot of pressure for you know we can't have any more straight white guys. I think there's some uh, efforts. I think for clubs to bring in diversity, but not the way you have it in the TV industry. No, and I think the. Well, I mean, look what they did to Joe. Do you see what they did to Joe? The what? this uh, this I forget Act Now or one of those like progressive uh, websites. Yeah, I don't forget the name of it. Um came after Joe saying he needs more women on his podcast. Mm. And everyone was like, hey, man, it's his podcast. Yeah. Like, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Like, what world do you think you live in where you just speak up and go, Joe Rogan, change everything you're doing. Yeah. We de- we demand it. Yeah. And then Joe goes, oh, yeah. Like, it's his fucking podcast. He has cage fighters on. The majority of cage fighters are men. Yeah. Majority of cage fighter commentators are men. Right. Like it's like his friends, he has his friends on, his friends are men. He has women on too, Wendy Cummins. Like, like, but it's just so crazy that the world is demanding in a cr- when you go like, Bert, why don't you have more female friends? I'm like, well, I don't know. It's not how I work. Mm-hmm. I have like, I'm married and my wife's not cool with that. Mm. I can't just go out and drink with Eliza. Well, it depends on like, again, going back to like each individual woman has probably a different strategy about how to get parity going. And one is to break it down, smash it, recreate it. And the other is to engage and try to have a dialogue. And I don't know. And again, if it was me, I'd probably be the fucking, you know, smash it, smash I'm it, smash it too. You know, I'm, 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 I'm railing against the same type of people that I am. Yeah. I'm going, Oh, I'd, I'd smash it. If I was a yeah. feminist, I'd be like, smash it. Fuck yeah. If fucking I was close to the store. podcast, close the store, <laughs> fucking cancel Bert. Right. Yeah. Fucking I'm done with him. Mute Bert Kreischer. Yeah. yeah. I, that's exactly who I'd fucking be. Right. All right. How we've done a, now, I think three hours of podcasting. We should probably right. yeah. wrap this up before probably we get end our careers meal. entirely. Um, can I announce some dates? Please, please, please. Oh, son of a bitch. I'm doing stand up comedy in your town. If you live in uh, Buffalo, Helium Comedy Club in Buffalo, June 27th through the 29th. La Jolla Comedy Store, July 12th and 13th. Also, I'll be in, uh, oh God, I'm going to Atlanta. I will be in Atlanta June 6th through the 8th at Side Splitters. Then I'll be in Tampa. No, Atlanta, Atlanta's Punchline. And then Tampa Side Splitters, June 13th through 15th. I did that out of order, but those are my dates. And Fitz Dog Radio is the podcast. Don't forget, also, I have a podcast called Childish with Allison Rosen, who we I, came on together last time. We had a podcast time. together, and, and we had if, a viral clip about us talking about could we use porn to masturbate. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, check out that. It's, uh, it's if you have kids or you've been a kid, you'll enjoy Childish. Yeah. Dude, I could do this with you whenever. Like, literally, we should just set up, like, once every two months, just get together and podcast either yours or mine. That'd be great. I you're would love that. You're fucking so easy to talk to. Thanks, man. And your brain is your brain is 
you know, the one thing I love about you is like, I don't, I don't really think things through, but like you, like you definitely <laughs> think things through on both sides. So like I yeah. can have a conversation with you and say my thing. And then you don't, even if you disagree with me, you can just help me change my mind. Yeah. Which is, there's not enough of that in this world. Well, that's why we're going to do a TV show together someday. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to run it. You're going to star in it. You're going to write it with me. And uh, you're going to come up with the fucking raw sewage. Well, hopefully if one of these TV shows I pitched goes like to series, I can hire you as my one white guy. You got it. (laughs) God damn it. I'll need it by then. I better start getting into female comics if I need writers. That's right. Best selling, please. Yeah, I'm sorry about what I said. You should be a writer. (laughs) Don't don't focus on your career. Focus on mine. Dude, thank you, Greg. All right, thanks, man. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.